It's time to go back to school, back to your worst nightmares come alive. This world is a strange one. Well, I didn't get enough stories to do a back to school themed video. Instead, in celebration of going back to school, here are some school themed scary stories that will make your heart flutter with delight the same way weekend homework does. Enjoy these allegedly true stories. But first, I'm trying to reach 1,000 followers on VidMe, so if you can, please follow me at vid.me slash darknessprevails. You never know when YouTube could do away with channels like mine. If it does, then VidMe is where I can be found. Thank you. Now, did you get everything on your school supplies list? Because I think you forgot your will to live. Number one, Haunted Middle School, submitted by Anonymous. Before I begin, let me just point out a small detail. In front of my middle school, there was a picture of a boy with a sign on top of it written with words that say, we will miss you, rest in peace, Nick. Well, this happened a few years back. I was 11 at the time, and it was time to go back to school. It was sixth grade and everything seemed normal, or so I thought. After a week from the first day, I began to feel a cold presence around me whenever I went outside in the schoolyard. I thought maybe I was just getting sick, but later that day, I felt somebody pull my hair when no one else was around. At first, it was a tiny tug, almost unnoticeable, then I felt somebody pull my hair harshly five times, like they grabbed a whole handful and yanked as hard as they could. Out of anger, I turned around and yelled, knock it off already. I must have looked crazy because there was no one around me. I was alone. This sent chills down my spine and caused me to walk quickly to my bus stop, but this was only the beginning. Around a month later, I walked to the bus stop as usual when I heard someone calling my name. I thought it was a classmate or a friend, and so I turned around. I'd heard the voice nearby. It wasn't very far away, but to my shock when I turned around, there was nobody there. I was alone again, and I was hearing things. I began to feel scared. Then out of nowhere, I felt someone push me, causing me to trip over and fall nearly busting my head open on the icy ground. I was lucky I didn't get more hurt. The rest of the year, nothing happened, and I considered myself lucky for that. That wasn't the end of it, though. Far from it. After summer break, seventh grade started, and nothing much really happened in the beginning of the school year, giving me this false sense of security. But soon, the activity began to act up again, Around the middle of the school year, I was sitting at my desk in Spanish class. I never really paid attention in that class because Spanish is my family's main language and the teacher who taught that class was very boring and annoying at other times. Anyway, when my teacher was facing the board and explaining to us how to pronounce Spanish words, my class began to scream in panic and then they ran to the front of the room. This left some of us confused as to why when I turned to face the back of the class, it turns out the clock had smashed to the floor and was broken all over the place. 
Nobody was near it, and nobody but the teacher was tall enough to grab the clock and smash it themselves. It was pretty high up. If it was a student, we'd have to grab a chair to reach it, but I highly doubt somebody would be quick enough to grab a chair, smash it to the floor, and put the chair back in its place. And honestly, I don't know how I didn't hear it fall to the ground. Maybe I was in my own little world, I don't know. But I can tell you that the clock didn't just fall down. It was near my desk, only inches away from my foot, as if someone had aimed it at me. This was bizarre, and it horrified me. Well, about a month later, when I was going to meet my friends outside in the schoolyard to play, I saw the shadowy figure of a boy standing on top of the stairs with his head tilted to the side and staring at me. I couldn't make out his facial features, but as soon as I stared back at him for a minute, he dashed upstairs and I could have swore I heard him laughing. I stood there petrified, trying to understand what I just saw. Given the bright light in the stairwell, I should have been able to make out details of the boy, but he was solid black, as if a shadow had peeled itself off the ground and stood up. I stayed quiet and still, thinking the boy was just playing a trick on me, but I heard nothing. It was as quiet as an empty room, at least only for a moment, because a few seconds later, right in my left ear, I heard the giggling of a little boy. Later that day, I found out that the boy I saw was the same boy who had died in my school in 2011. I had to ask questions to find out exactly what happened, but this is what I know now. He was with a friend one day, and they decided to go to the roof to hang out and skip class. Unfortunately, he fell down in the school chimney, head first. They grabbed a hold of his legs before he fell down completely. When the police got there, they tried to get control over the situation, but one of them accidentally let go of his legs, and the poor boy fell inside, killing him on the spot. He had two sisters and was the only son in his family. His mother had died when he was a young child. I think this is the boy that's been causing trouble, and I can't say I blame him. I would be angry too if I died that young. Number two, Math Tutor, submitted by Kylie. Back when I was 13 years old, I was in middle school and I really needed a math tutor who would give me classes since I was very bad at math and struggling. I considered my circle of friends very big, so I asked around for any recommendations for math tutors who would give me classes. And to my surprise, about four of my friends recommended the same person. Someone will call C for this story. I asked for C's number and they gave it to me. Then I texted him and asked him all about the classes. Questions like what time he would be available to come over and what the price of the class would cost. We discussed and planned a little bit and then soon I'd be having my first class with him within a week. I was both nervous and ready. I wasn't a lazy or bad student and it killed me that I couldn't get a grip of this math. So I was ready to bring my grades back up, but I was also nervous because I just didn't know this guy. Well, he came over just in time and we sat at a desk I have at my house. 
C was middle-aged, which really made me uncomfortable, but my parents seemed to like the guy. He presented himself well, and I had to give him credit for that. Besides, I had an important test coming up in some weeks, and I didn't know a thing, so there was no going back. The classes actually went really well. He was a patient and good teacher, and everything was normal. C was funny too, which made the classes pleasant of all things. The weeks went by, and I finally had to take my big math test, and I actually got a good grade on it. Seeing that my grades came up like that so quickly, I decided to keep studying with C because I'd be starting geometry soon and I already knew how bad I was at that subject as well. Classes were fun with C and everything was fine. My friends gave me really good comments about him and I soon stopped feeling uncomfortable about his age. Time went by and everything was great until one class. My school has guidance class second period and we usually do nothing, so I talk to people and fool around. I was talking to a friend of mine one day about how nervous we were for the upcoming test, and she asked me who was my tutor. She knew I had one, but she didn't know who, and I told her it was C. The teacher walking by heard me mention him, so she asked me if he was my tutor. I said yes, but she gave me this shocked expression. I'd never seen her that way, and no lie, it gave me chills. She told me that I need to stop seeing him immediately. She said that he harasses his students once he gains their trust, and she told me a story of a girl who studied with him. She trusted him a bit too much, and C began to touch her. She became uncomfortable and began to back away from C, but C would keep touching and harassing her. It came to the point where her mother reported him to the police, but they couldn't do anything since they didn't have enough evidence and couldn't arrest him. Not to mention at the time, he was well-trusted and liked around the community. I was actually shocked when I heard this. I asked my teacher if there were any more victims and she said yes, but most of them are too afraid to come forward to the police. So they go to the school psychiatrist who was the teacher I was talking to since it was the guidance class. She continued, saying that he would often do magic tricks to gain trust. I remembered a time where he showed me how he made an eraser disappear and reappear. Everything she was warning me about, he was doing. Right after that class, I called the four friends who had recommended C and I told them to stop seeing him. I told them everything. We stopped contacting C and we blocked his number, but that didn't stop him from showing up at my house. He stopped by one day asking my parents if I still needed help. And by then I told my parents everything. They told him to leave and to never come back, but I'll never forget the look he gave me as I watched from the living room. Even after hearing the bad news that I would no longer need a mentor and that we knew about his terrible past, he stood there with a smile, baring his teeth at me. He stared straight into my eyes and it's almost like he was telling me that this wasn't the last I would see of him. I had nightmares after that. To this day, I'm scared to get another tutor for any classes. I'm very much in disbelief I was in a situation like that, and I'm thankful that one of my teachers knew about C. I don't want to know what C would have done to me if we spent more time together, and luckily, I haven't heard from him since.
This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Number three, the psycho at my school, submitted by Fallen Creature. Before this, I always thought I should be kind and friendly to others, but nowadays I'm a lot less trusting in this particular case, there was a boy named Larry from my geometry class sophomore year. I don't mean to brag, but I had some of the highest grades in that class and I always finished my assignments early. Larry, however, had lots of difficulty understanding what was going on. The teacher one day asked me to help explain it to him since I was already finished with my own work. I tried to explain everything to him slowly and step by step. I would not move on until I was sure he understood. In three days, there was a big test coming up, and on the day of the test, I wished him good luck. I told him to do his best. He was pretty quiet and was never around a big group of people, but he seemed like a very nice person. A few days after we do our tests, we get them back. After class, Larry walked over to me smiling and said he'd gotten a B. Congratulations, I said. I was honestly happy for him. Thank you. I couldn't have done it without you. He said to me very awkwardly, but it felt so good that I was able to help somebody. I was starting to think to myself that maybe I should tutor more people. Maybe I had a knack for this kind of thing. That night, Larry sent me a friend request on Facebook. I didn't think anything unusual of it and I accepted it. And within five minutes, I got a message from Larry saying, Hi, I just wanted to thank you again. You're a lot better than the teacher at explaining these things. If it weren't for you, I would have failed. No problem, I told him. If you're ever in need of help with anything, just feel free to ask. 
We chatted a bit more over the next couple of weeks about geometry and school in general. It wasn't long until he sent me a message saying, you seem like a pretty cool, nice guy. I was wondering, would you like to go out on a date with me? I was shocked. I really didn't see this coming, but I tried my best to be polite and as nice as I could. My older brother, who'd already graduated years ago, is gay, so I didn't have any sort of prejudice. I just didn't swing that way. Sorry, Larry, but I'm not, I'm not gay, I told him. I'd be glad to still be friends, though. You're a really nice guy, I said. He replied with just, okay, and he didn't send any further messages. He didn't look in my direction at school either after that, and I was starting to worry that I'd lost a friend. A few days came and went. One day I got home to see a few comments Larry had left on my Facebook pictures. They said really mean things, things like, what an ugly picture, and that face could make children cry. My family and a couple of friends responded telling him how his comments were rude and unnecessary, and I deleted them all rather than blocking him right away like I should have, and I sent him another message. Hey, I said, I'm, I'm sorry I hurt you by saying we can't date, but that doesn't mean you should be bullying me like that. I've done nothing wrong to you, and I don't want to have to block you. About an hour later, he sent me a message that had me shaking and in tears. I can't remember all of the vile things it said, but I'll type up what I remember. It said something to the effect of, as if I'd still want to date your ugly self anyway. Your biological parents didn't want you, so why would anyone else? You're a worthless piece of trash, and you should probably just die. In fact, you shouldn't have been born at all. I'd slit your throat myself, but you aren't worth the prison time. You should kill yourself instead, make this world a better place and just die already. And if you don't, I might just change my mind and do it myself. I walked over to my mother and handed her the phone. She saw the cruel words, she saw those death threats, and she saw how upset I was that someone would say such things to me, especially after I did nothing to them but be nice. I mentioned in passing during one of our conversations that I was adopted, and he even used that against me. My mom then called the sheriff and told him what was going on. Larry switched schools, and I got a restraining order against him. I left social media afterwards, and I haven't gone back online just yet. Nowadays, I don't go out of my way to be kind to people, and I distance myself from them. I don't harbor any ill feelings against Larry, and I hope that he got the help he desperately needs. Not a day goes by that I don't hope that he was exaggerating about those death threats, because if he was mad for me doing nothing wrong to him, Imagine how mad he was now that I got him kicked out of his school. Larry, I really don't want to see you again. Number four, The Pedo Stranger, submitted by Miriam E. This happened when I was in second grade. 
It's been about 10 years since it happened. To set the scene, I've grown up in a fairly upper middle class neighborhood in Southern California. So the threats of weirdos and crimes going on was nearly non-existent, at least for me. Everyone was sheltered around these parts. And to be honest, we, as in the kids, thought everyone was nice and bad guys were just something that were made up in movies. Pretty naive, don't you think? Anyway, both my parents work a lot every day. As such, I have to stay at an after-school program called Kids Care, where basically they monitor you until your parents can pick you up. Usually, I got picked up at around six every night, so my friends and I used our time by playing soccer out on the field. The field is set up as a giant rectangle, but the right side of the field is a short slope with lots of greenery. And on top of that, there are a line of houses overlooking the field and the school in general. Every day, me and about 10 other people or so would go out to the field where we were supposed to be monitored by an adult at all times. But since all these so-called teachers were all in the main building, no one was watching us that day. This was their fault. They were supposed to watch all of us at all times, especially with the sun setting earlier now from daylight savings. Anyway, on one particular day, it was five in the evening and the sun was starting to go down. We went out to the field and none of the teachers followed us as usual. We began playing soccer until my best friend got hurt and began bleeding. So most of us ran back to the building to grab some band-aids. I, however, stayed with my friend and I sat down beside her. All of a sudden, I got this eerie feeling. We were now alone on an empty field and by now the sun was beginning to lower over the horizon. It was getting darker by the second. I've always been a real paranoid person and the whole time they were gone, I kept looking behind my back, doing 360s, because the nasty feeling in my stomach continued to grow. When they finally came back, we went to playing soccer again and the feeling would not go away. My friend was running towards the goal and we were all cheering her on until she stopped halfway. Her expression was blank as she stared at the top of the small slope to the right. I thought she'd seen a dog or something, so I looked over, but I didn't see anything. I stood there, then I asked, what's going on? She whispered, and pointed in front of her. There's a man, he's watching us from the bushes. I spun around and sure enough, there was a man, probably in his 40s. He was wearing a red shirt with a big beard and he was holding a camera smiling, watching us from within a freaking bush. I nearly screamed when I saw him and I saw the flash from the camera go off then he suddenly jumped up and ran in the direction of the houses. The last thing I saw him do was jump the fence into someone's backyard. By now, we were all screaming like banshees as we frantically looked around for a teacher, but nope, there was no teacher to be found. We continued our screaming as we ran into the main building. When we got there, all the teachers were already out of their classrooms, trying to find the source of all the screaming. My friend and I were the most shaken and we soon figured out that none of the other kids saw the man, that we had just freaked them out with our screaming. It wasn't until recently I realized that this man was obviously planning to do something with those photos. 
something I really didn't want to think about. At the time, we were just scared at the sight of some stranger. The police were called immediately. The best part was we got pulled out of the pathetic excuse for an art class and got to talk to the police, which was cool for a second grader at the time. My friend and I both gave a description of the man the best we could. We later found out that they never caught the creepy pedo guy, and thankfully he never showed up again. Or rather, we never saw him. Maybe he just got better at hiding. And number five, high school possessions, submitted by Sid. This happened during the early days of my senior high school career. I was 15 when one of the scariest paranormal things happened to me. At the time, I lived in a small village of the town of San Manuel in the Philippines. In our town, I would say that most people believe in the paranormal, and I grew up believing, fearing, and respecting the unknown. But I'm not the most religious person in our village, but I kept my mind open to these other things. The high school I went to was located at the central village of our town, and it's one of the oldest schools there. And many rumors told us that the land where my school was built was once a cemetery or a prison grounds during World War II. I've heard the story go either way, and either way, it's creepy. I've heard security guards tell us stories about hearing chain sounds being dragged during the night. Some people have seen women in white, and there was one particular area on our school that they refused to go check in the night for a reason they refused to tell us kids. And this is where my story begins. It was the early days of our senior life, and our section was picked one day to clean an abandoned classroom. The school was taking on more and more students, so we basically had to unabandon that side of the school. I didn't mind cleaning though. That was far better to me than going to our next two classes. Now, this classroom is not connected to any buildings in our school. It was surrounded by shrubbery and two to three mini belit trees. And this is the area our security guards refused to check. Things went smoothly. We started at about 1 p.m. and we planned to finish up at around three. Then we would pick up where we left off the next day. The girls cleaned the inside and us boys cleaned the outer area, picking up trash, taking away the trash bags, and doing the heavier work that the girls didn't want to do. As we were closing at 3 p.m., one of the girls, let's call her Sherry, collapsed to the ground, but only for a brief moment as our teacher and classmates began to surround her. She picked herself up immediately and needless to say, we finished earlier than was planned. They got Sherry some water and let her cool down. She claimed that she was just exhausted due to the heat. She wasn't wrong. The heat that afternoon was insane. As everyone got rested and prepared for our next class, I noticed one of my classmates named Valley looked scared for some reason. I tried to brush it off, assuming that we were all just exhausted. Now, Valley was known in our class as the girl with the third eye, meaning that she can see what the naked eye can't, a sixth sense. I didn't personally believe it. She's not creepy either. She's one of the most cheerful girls in our class, and everyone liked her. 
Anyway, we were now onto our last period of class. As the professor of that class was talking, I glanced at the clock. A quarter to four, I mumbled. Then I thought to myself, couldn't class go by any faster? Then all of a sudden, Sherry fell to the ground again. We tried to help her up, but this time she wouldn't let us. She pulled away from our hands and kicked at us. She opened her eyes and they were completely bloodshot and she was drooling foamed saliva from her mouth. She glared on each one of us with the most evil look in her eyes as if we'd all pissed her off at one point in the day. It was a look that gave me chills and it still does when I think about it. She was so filled with hate and anger. She stood up and began trashing everything, screaming gibberish words. Me and my friend John, the two biggest bodied boys there, tried to restrain her as my teacher began to talk to her to calm her down, but she was strong. I'm not gonna lie, she overpowered me. If John hadn't been there to help, I think we both could have looked like fools. She was skinny and athletic, The two of us shouldn't have had such a hard time dealing with her. Soon she calmed down after what felt like hours, but she was still growling at everyone around her. Then she collapsed again, and after a few minutes, she woke up, acting completely normal, and her eyes were no longer bloodshot. She couldn't even remember anything that had just happened. The class began to calm down too. Some of the girls stopped crying, and I felt a little bit more safe until another one of my classmates, Rim, collapsed too. Then straight away, she began to do the same thing Sherry had just done. We ran to her and tried to restrain her, but now the professor sent a kid to get the school pasture. He was beginning to suspect something supernatural was happening. The pastor soon arrived and tried to do an exorcism. I've never experienced anything like this before, I was terrified. My fear only increased as I held on to her, and I could see it in my friend's eyes too. We were all scared. We were all confused. After a grueling battle of faith, Rim calmed down and lost consciousness, then woke up after a brief moment, also with no memory of what just happened. The teachers asked us to go home right away, and we took Sherry and Rim home too before walking ourselves home. The whole walk to their houses, they seemed completely fine, as if nothing had ever happened. The next day, everyone was on edge. All of us were trying to figure out what happened yesterday, but others wanted to forget. Even still, classes went by smoothly. Surprisingly, everyone was present too, even Sherry and Rim. I looked at the time at one point, a quarter to four, just like yesterday. Then I glanced at Valley, and I froze. She was glaring at one of our classmates named Ares, with the most sinister glare I've ever seen in a human's eye. The fear from yesterday came back again. Then she lunged, I swear to God. She lunged at him, her hands trying to grab around his neck. I mustn't have been the only one who noticed her, because one of my classmates grabbed Ares before she could choke him, and fear filled our schoolroom again. One kid ran out immediately to get the pasture, Professor Ben and John were now holding the girl with me now, and she was far stronger than the two we held down yesterday. She was thrashing about, screaming, cursing, threatening us. Her hands kept getting free, but we continued to restrain her until the pasture arrived. 
The classroom was evacuated and we were the only ones left inside. Kids from around the school began to crowd around our classroom, watching the event unfold. This spirit, whatever it was, was far more sinister than the last one. I could feel it. The pastor came and began the exorcism, but Valley then spoke in a deep voice that did not belong to her. They killed us, and now I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I almost let go of her when I heard that. That wasn't Valley's voice. That wasn't a human voice. I regained control of myself and held on even tighter. The pastor then commanded a nearby kid to get some holy water. After an hour, she finally calmed down. We soon let her go, but I was still scared, yet a little relieved. I walked outside. I was exhausted. The crowd was gone, probably back home. The pastor and the teacher were forced to take Valley to the town church because apparently only a priest can exercise that sort of spirit. It was just too strong for him. But I stayed quiet for the rest of the night. Even at home, all I could think about was how these stories went from fun ghost stories to real life danger. The next day, the priest was asked to bless that classroom. Everyone in the class prayed and I prayed too. Valley was back that day, Sherry and Rem too, and they were all normal looking. I guess they were okay again. Everyone was silent after that. When the priest was to give the final blessing and pour out some holy water, Valley interrupted him and asked if she could pour it. She poured the bottle on two different places. At one point, she brought her arm up as if she was pouring the bottle of water onto a much taller person right in front of her. This creeped me out. After the whole ordeal, it was nice to see everything go back to normal. Me and my friend Kenji and John asked her what she saw that day. She said the day when we were cleaning the abandoned classroom, she said that there were two women in there, an old woman and a child. She said they both had touched Sherry before she collapsed to the ground. The old woman was the stronger and angrier one. Then we asked if she could still see those spirits, but she didn't want to answer. I don't believe that the three girls made it all up. They're some of the nicest and most religious people I know, and they weren't the prankster types. I'm 22 years old now, and I still have goosebumps when I look back on these memories. I'll never forget the week where ghost stories suddenly became reality. School is a bit like a necessary evil. Sure, it can be stressful. It can take up all of your time while your brain isn't fully developed, but it can make you smarter, wiser, and an all-around better human being. Unfortunately, some very bad people can often get too close to those that are still learning. Sometimes, even children are exposed to the worst kinds of evil. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to follow me on vid.me slash darknessprevails. Also, a huge thanks goes out to my newest patron, 
They are Andre Moss. Thank you so much for doing everything you can to support this channel. And don't forget to watch your bonus episodes. Episode 48 comes out today, and it's a disturbing story of when someone lost their innocence. Anyway, stay safe, my night watchers, and stay creepy.